Hello and welcome to the Motown Philly Podcast. I am Tim Golden here with my co-host. Jason Hall. What up, though? And Jason Hall is the Motown in Motown Philly. I, Tim Golden, am the Philly in Motown Philly. And we are bringing you love on this episode 19, Jason. Mm. Episode 19 of the Motown Philly Podcast. As we always do, we just want to take a moment to thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for following us, for subscribing to our podcast, for following through on those upload notifications. We see what's going on. We see in our analytics that our most recent downloads, weekly downloads on the average are up to 49. We're trying to get up to up to 500 weekly downloads. So we got about 10 times that to go. And we know that we're well on our way. We're so thankful that you all listen to us, make us part of your lives. And Jason, I just get overjoyed when I think about how wonderful and awesome our listeners are. How about you, man? Equally, equally. I'm loving the love that we get. We get a lot of people chiming in i don't i shouldn't say chiming but they they give us they they show us love man and i'm i'm forever appreciative uh those are uh, who are always in our inner circle whether they're family members or individuals that we continue to meet online um individuals that are associated with us they they show us love and we're forever grateful for that yes yes forever grateful folks so we just want to tell you how much we appreciate you and we're so thankful uh, during this season of of gratitude and and thanksgiving as we wind up 2022 and head into 2023 we just don't want the beginning of our show to pass without expressing our gratitude to everyone for all that you do for us as you listen download share and so forth so we are grateful and today jason on episode 19 of the Motown Philly podcast, we have a topic that I think is a timely one, considering the fact that we are in a holiday season, in the midst of a holiday season, and that encompasses Christmas, if you're Christian, Hanukkah, if you're Jewish, Kwanzaa, if you have an Afrocentric bent toward the holiday season, whatever your your religious or your ethnic persuasion, this is the time of year when people get together with their family. And so we want to talk with you tonight. We want to talk with one another and, and hopefully something we say will resonate with you all as you listen about the topic of family and communication, family and communication. You know, Jason, when I think about family, it's such a broad word. There are so many dimensions to family, so many different definitions of family. And we could be here all night talking about family in the broadest sense. But what we decided to do is talk about four different senses of the word family. And I think as you're listening out there, one of the things that may be helpful to to us this week is if you imagine a series of four 
concentric circles. So you make a small circle in the middle of the page, and that would be, let's say, family by blood. Then you draw another circle around that, and that would be family by experience. Then you draw another circle around that, and that would be family by choice. And then your last circle would be family by nature, that is to say, by human nature. And so what we want to do, Jason, is we want to talk a little bit about each one of these types of family and how communication is done within each of these different types of family. Yeah. Let's just let's just sort of sort of define what each one of these are. So family by blood, right, should be self-explanatory. That's your immediate family. That's people who you are actually blood relatives to, people who you have the the biological family relation to. Right. And then there's family who you have by experience. One of the interesting things about being a human being is that people bond when they share experiences right. together. And there's a communicative aspect to that type of family that we're going to get into tonight. Next there's family by choice and family by choice is representative of those people with whom we say we are so close that, you know what? I am choosing to treat you like family. As if we are blood relatives. So right. family by choice are the people you treat like family by blood, but you do that because of some decision you've made based on a level of closeness that you have. And then last but not least, family by nature or family by human nature is this idea that all of us are part of the human family. Right. That, that, that the next person you see walking down the street is a person with whom you have something in common just in virtue of the fact that you're both human beings. So from blood relatives all the way up through experience, choice, and strangers, we hope to cover all of these in this episode. And so, Jason, let's let's get started and and let's raise this question of how are these categories overlapping in some way or are they isolated categories that don't bleed over into one another is there is there something about one category that we apply to all the others is there something about any one of them that's unique just to that one help us help us get some clarity on family and and how family how these types of families affect how we communicate with each other that's a great question i believe that there is a bleeding there is an overlap if you will just because of the very nature of the word family in my head and so it's it's a, it's of my opinion is that there is a structural form in which you've kind of mapped out between all the levels of what we think and dream and experience as, as family, you know, talking about your bloodline, which is your, 
connected family or the nuclear family that you grow up with. And then going out to what we would know to be an experiential family, which is something to be explored, I, I think. I think that's going to be interesting, just fleshing that out. And then the, the other layer is the next one up is the, the one that you actually choose. You actually have some commonalities and close level of closeness. So, and then going out into the human family. I think when you talk about all four of those features, all four of those um, rungs, rungs, if you will, circle of, of family, like they're the, the idea when you think about family, you think of, I think of connectedness, you know, I don't know if Tim mentioned it earlier, but, you know, always our mission on this podcast is to talk about communication, connection, and community. And every topic that we bring up has, it just does by nature fall into, fall into line with those three words, communication, connection, and community. And when you think about the word family, there is this interconnectedness, if you will, that on a very conscious and unconscious level that creates some type of sinew, if you will. Some, some sinews is, is what brings together is a, a level of nearness, proximity, if you will, when you think about the word family. So in my head and in my experience, family is some is some it means where people come together, where indiv individuals become a group, if you will. And there is some proximity, not just in the abstract, but also in the physical or not just in the physical, but also in something that you can't touch. There is some consciousness of knowing, if you will, from in all of those circumstances and all of those tiers, if you will, or levels of what family is. And I'm passionate about all of them. And I can't wait to just really open this, this up and talk about it a little more. I'm interested to know what you think. Like, do you think that these are these, these types of families, if you will, are, you know, all in a silo, or you think that, you know, Tim, these are, these are like family oriented structures to where they have to be separate just because it helps us to organize them better. What do you think? So I think that I think that conceptually they all have a similarity mm -hmm. in the abstract. They are all representative of different groups of people with whom there is a degree of intimacy. I like that word either by blood experience choice or nature. And let me let me try to probe this topic a little further by raising the following question. We would think that for each level of family that we're talking about tonight, for instance, if you worked backwards from those who are family in virtue of being your fellow human, our fellow human beings, through those who are family because we have chosen them to be family, through those who have experience, all the way up to those who are our blood relatives, it would seem to make sense that 
the closer we got from the outside of the concentric circle of human nature toward the very inside or middle of the last circle, blood, that there would be a sliding scale of intimacy that would increase the closer we get from the most broad all the way to the center. In other words, we would seem to have more intimacy with those who we choose to have family than with those who are strangers, but are family because they're humans. Right. Then we may have a greater degree of intimacy with people with whom we share and experience than we do with people who we choose to be uh, close with in our, in our relationships. And the ultimate expression of intimacy would seem to take place between those who are physically closest to us by blood. Right. But let me problematize that. And of let me course. ask this question. Why is it that sometimes in some situations we have the least amount of intimacy with blood relatives and much deeper amounts of intimacy with people with whom we share experiences or people who we make choices to call family. So for example, you might share things with a friend with whom you have had and shared an experience that you would never share with your blood relatives. Why is that? Why I mean, is that? You opening up, you just opening up Pandora. <laughs> Well, that's what we're here for, right? That's what our listeners want, I you think. Out, you out here opening up Pandora. Well, why? Restate your, restate your question. I want to see sure. if I can target, target sure. it well. So, again, it, it would seem to be an assumption that the further you moved toward blood relative family, mm -hmm. the deeper the level of intimacy. Right. But from a practical standpoint, that seems to be demonstrably false. In other words, there are many instances that people can point to. Many of our listeners can point to and may even be thinking about right now. I don't want you to swerve your car. Don't get into an accident. True, true. And, uh, and don't put and don't put bleach in your colored clothes. If you take your time now, right. as you listen to us. <laughs> but the idea is that you would be most intimate with the people in who are blood relatives, but it turns out that often that's not the case, that there are people who have sibling relationships and who, although they are blood relatives with their siblings, have people with whom they share experiences that they have deeper levels of intimacy in communication. And just and, Tim, and the Tim. question is, why is that Tim? As you state what you as you ask and form the question, something happens to my body because of the emotions and thoughts and memories, if you will, when it comes to individuals that have that are and have been in my life on all those levels, someone who, like you said, you would think you've grew up with and had them, you know, you've known them forever and they sh you share, you shared a lot together. 
even blood. And you would, you would have the idea of just knowing that because those and a lot more things are true in your experience together, you would just think and imagine like there could and should be a level of intimacy, a level of closeness with those who you've in a lot of ways first came into the world with and you share a bloodline with it. We, as you grow and mature, you just learn to understand that everyone is different. Like just imagine like, as you stated, sometimes, and maybe oftentimes those who are, who are in your bloodline and your nuclear family, you're just not, you're just not as you can, you're just, you're just not as close with, let me just say it like that. You just somehow just not as close as you could or should be. And, but we can also say that in those same in similar families, that there are individuals who, who share the same bloodline, nuclear family. And these people are as thick as thieves. They're just thick as thieves. There's also an alternative, but to speak to what you're talking about, I think the, I want to say what we're talking about might be more, I don't know. It, it just, it, it just, it might be more prevalent, at least in, in my experience. I don't think that most of the people who I know can reach back and say, Hey, my brother or my sister or my dad or my mom are my best friends. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that though. Let's just look at it for what it is. My energy is coming up because I'm thinking about it in a passionate way because here's the facts. We don't get to choose. Here's, is that what we're getting to? Chick, we don't get to choose our family. And it's just a small, it can be a very small network of individuals compared to the world at large. So you're choosing is so outside of that, your matching and your choosing could be is better because there's more people that stand a chance to be more like who you are. And as you grow and mature and have experience that can, that you can relate to um, two twins growing up in the same house, Tim are not the same individual and, or have the same identical twins and not have the same experience. Therefore there's some nuanced difference between individuals and they might not just gel on every single level. It, this is a very it, this is a very interesting topic. Like we could stay here a little bit longer, but what is your idea of it? If you're thinking about, hey, you know, it is just a thing that's obvious and that happens where the closeness is should be should be there because of the proximity and the bloodline, the, the just the the relativity of it all. Like why why is that a, a often not the case or or well i i so good this is there's a lot going on here yeah bro so the the presupposition that physical relations by blood ought to result in uh, intimate relations and we're talking about intimacy not sex mm -hmm. Right. Intimate relationships in virtue of being physically close to one another. I think from everything you just said, that may or may not happen. Right. It, it may happen. 
And mm-hmm. in lots of families, it does happen. Mm-hmm. But even in the families with which it does happen, intimacy is not restricted to bloodline. There you go. Intimacy is always already extended outside of blood to experience. You have children, Jason. They love you. They love each other. They love their mother. Right. But they have friends at school. Right. Right. They have friends who they talk to. Now, you got a couple of you on your way to having your hands full because you you about ready to have a, a couple of teenagers on your hands too and, and they got and they got friends that they talk to on the phone right so i think it says something about the human condition which is that our our demand for intimacy is so strong that it even in the healthiest of family relationships it will push itself it will push us beyond blood to experience to choice and eventually to having a regard i think in the healthiest way to even to strangers right i i tell the story jokingly and valentine's day's coming up y'all we got some special things planned for february stay tuned but anyhow i I, i'm in line to to buy a valentine's gift this is going back my goodness it has to be over 20 years ago about 25 years ago i was in line at the time i was married i was in line to buy a valentine's gift and there was a guy in front of me and a total stranger and he me and him, I mean, this is Philly, right? This is like Philly, Philly. We started talking, just made small talk, and he was like, man, I'm standing up here. I ain't trying to stand up here in this damn line. You watch. If she don't like none of this, all this coming back next week. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, dog, I feel you. He was like, matter of fact, matter of fact, I got to make sure I get my receipt. You know what I'm saying, dog? I was like, yeah, I feel you. And we had this exchange, right? This this exchange of uh, of intimacy, right? I mean, he's sharing. You was feeling your boy. You was right. feeling him exactly, right? We got a connection there. Now this dude is a stranger, right? Yeah. But but in virtue of the fact that he is human, just like me, we can draw from one another's experiences. So he may have a connection with me that he might, he may not have been able to go home and tell his mom and dad, cause maybe his mom is in love with his girlfriend. You know how mothers get, uh, you better treat her right. Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He ain't trying to hear that from his mom. So mm-hmm. it may be what we're saying, Jason, is that we inevitably will find intimacy in different familial spaces because no human relationship, no matter how strong is capable of accommodating the intensity of the int- of the interests in intimacy that we all have and maybe it's not fair to put it all on your blood relatives no it's like it wouldn't be not. fair to put it all on your friends sure right 
So so I think what we're seeing here with this family and communication, at least as it relates to intimacy, is that our demand for intimacy and connection with other people is so strong that we will find we will we will search out intimacy unconsciously, almost instinctively by nature. And if that leads us to a blood relative, fine. If not, that's got to be okay too. So I think we, we, we have some people who see blood relatives as the ultimate repository of all love, affection, intimacy, care, and so forth. And I think that might be unreasonable given the fact that we are now sometimes you can't do it with your blood family because your blood family crazy. <laughs> and that no, so that, what? what did you say? They what? They crazy. <laughs> so we might, have, we, might have to, we might have to acknowledge that. Right. But even sure. if they're not crazy, I don't think any human relationship is capable of meeting or satisfying the depth of every human need. So we have to understand that as social beings, this, this idea that a blood relative ought to be the closest to me is unfair to them. It's unfair to us. And it's unfair to all the other people out there with whom we could potentially have connection in constructive and healthy ways. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Esther Perel talks about, and I might be getting ahead of ourselves, but she talks about the romantic relationship and how it was and how it is now. She talks about in the last 60 years, there's no real like relationship uh, um, institution, I guess, if you want to call it a marriage and how it's been over the last 60 years, just been revolutionized as to how it's been for, for almost forever, for forever, really. And the, the institution of what marriage is has changed from it kind of being, well, let me just say, talk about how it is now. It's, it's love has been interjected into, into the equation when before it just really wasn't love preference and a whole bunch of other stuff. And just, just the idea before of what love and relationship was or what relationship was when it came to a husband and wife and, um, in marriage at the time, it was just like, it served the purpose of it just being a container, a small container to be, to, to be, I guess, to, to service for what, to serve for what it was. And I guess what I'm trying to say now in this day and age, we want one person to be our best friend, to be, uh, to be, our emotional support and we want them to be um, our spiritual advisor. And we want all these things from them. And you just, my point is you just can't get all that's unfair. It's very, you're right. It's very unfair for one particular um, family room to hold that, to hold all of those hats and responsibilities for one particular individual. And, and we see this sometimes in religious communities, Mm. Religious communities, particularly Christian communities, Christian church communities have a tendency to push blood family 
and marital relationships as the sole source <laughs> of intimacy in a person's life. Yeah. And the question, the critical question is, I think, in light of this discussion in this podcast episode is, is that fair? Is it fair to put that on your spouse? No. Is it fair to put that on your blood relatives? Now, is it is it fair to say that you ought to have maybe a level of intimacy with your spouse that you don't have with other people? I think I think that is fair, but even people who have healthy marriages will tell you that there's certain things they don't talk to their spouse about, but they'll call their girlfriend or they'll call their buddies and they'll be like, man, you ain't going to believe what she did or girl, you can't believe what he did. Right. So that happens, right? That happens. And, and in some ways you have to, you have to accept that. Now I'm not saying you go drag your spouse and, you know, drag your spouse through the mud and all of that. But in the end, I think it's a it's a hard question to ask or maybe maybe what some folks in religious communities in particular, I speak of Christian communities because that's my experience. Our listeners may be Muslim or Jewish or of other faith traditions, and right. you may experience something similar. If you do, let us know about that. But for me, in my experience, it's it's almost it's almost unfair to sort of put those burdens on other people when when we have so many other ways to attain intimacy now of course there is an intimacy with your spouse right i'm speaking now of a physical intimacy right mm-hmm. <laughs> that you don't <laughs> you don't share that with other people right uh there are some people you know there's a phenomenon nowadays jason where some married women have outsourced uh sexuality to other women and have just allowed their their husbands to go to basically have a sexual surrogate now that i think is uh I, I'm not too keen on that. So I've I'm never, not, heard, I'm, never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, 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 no yeah. Some some people have some women have have done that, and I'm not so sure. I I am a fan. I'm not so sure. I'm not a fan of that idea any more than I would be a fan of uh, of it, the roles being reversed in that happening. But the point is, I think we have to ask ourselves some critical questions about relationships with one another that are going to be healthy in the family context by basically understanding the the boundaries that people set the boundaries that you set and how those boundaries are going to affect communication regardless of whether you're related to these people by blood or not definitely i just think there's so many nuances to relationships and as we explore family and communication like a lot of those new like a lot of those nuances you know we can tease out when we're talking about family like 
the family that you grow up with and then the family that you create like no you i don't think you're right like whether it's your friend or you go back and tell your mom what your spouse did like you i don't think that's a good look that's a good play i don't think that's right think, it's not. because she your mom has a different dog in the in 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 the, in the hunt mm -hmm. when it comes to care of her baby and things of that nature like mm -hmm. there's it's i love this topic but this topic is not necessarily <laughs> it's not necessarily the easiest topic to to kind of to tackle because it is overlap tim it, there there is nuances um as we seek to define clarity between each individual um classification of family let's just say the family that you I want to say the family that you're born into is the one you don't get to choose. And sometimes you have closeness with them and sometimes you don't have closeness to them with them as you grow up. Like you do have a, a level of physical bond and relationship, bloodline. And let's just, you know, call a spade a spade in families. Let's just be honest, Tim. We have dysfunction in us as individuals mm -hmm. and as a family collective, there's dysfunction in the family. And no matter how much dysfunction you have with dysfunction, there's there comes a breakdown of 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 communication, which has a breakdown of relationship, intimacy and closeness. And then and then maybe then we start thinking about the graduation into the next tier of 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 where what we're looking at. But to me, family, you love family because they they're family. Like there's just this there is a unique blood and soul tie to family on on a lot of levels that you can't you can't you can't separate because of the proximity of who these individuals are to your life and you don't choose them and then you have the next the next tier tim so if you if you drew these concentric circles on a page you would see them bleeding over into one another all over the place and at yeah. some point at some point, the neat lines that composed each circle would just blur into a giant blob that would be all, you know, it would just be a, instead of being concentric circles, it would just be a solid color dot, oh, good. right? Because that's what it comes down to. You know, I think the family that chooses you determines the floor, but the family that you choose determines the ceiling. The family that chose to bring you into the world is the family where you learn the rules. Ideally, mm -hmm. you Ideally. learn you, you learn rules and you learn practices, whether or not those rules and practices are healthy or dysfunctional is is up is debatable. Right. Because some people will tell you that the rules and practices that they've learned were just unhealthy. But the point is that the family that chose you sort of gives you the principles, healthy or unhealthy, the family that you choose either through experience or choice or in your encounter with the most general abstract next person that you see by human nature, all of that in some sense is determined by a trial and error. So this is messy. Right. This is this is sloppy. Mm -hmm. This is you. This is sort of a learn as we go. 
I don't know, though, for our listeners out there, your parents may have even confided in you and said, you know, I probably did a lot of things wrong when you were growing up. And I, you don't you really don't need to be out there applying this principle that you learned in this household because that just isn't good. Now, it's hard for parents to come to that conclusion, mm -hmm. right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, mothers and fathers are special people who have a lot invested in you and you know, but depending on how healthy we all are at the beginning, and right. and that's a big, that's a big if, <laughs> right? Because, a very, I was gonna say that very big if because we're all so messed up. And when you when you think about this topic, whether it's family by blood, experience, choice, or family by human nature, everybody is reaching out for intimacy because you know why, Jason. Everybody wants to be loved. Right. Everybody uh, wants to be loved. I would say that. And I would. And our, our desire for love and connection is so strong. Yeah, I was going to say that. That we going to go get it, whether it's from mama and daddy or whether it's from the next person we see walking down the street. And, mm -hmm. and I think that is. That's the, the truth about who we are as human beings is that our pull for intimacy is so intense and it's so strong that it, it will take us to places and relationships that might not be driven by blood, but by experience or, or by other factors. I think what, like to add on to that we all want to be loved uh, of course i believe that i think to go even further in my head is like there's this sense of belonging too that we yearn for um imagine growing up in a family where there is a lot of dysfunction and you kind of feel like you are the odd man out or no one understands you or no one takes time to understand you, or it's just a big challenge. And this is the, this is the place you call home. So with those desires and feelings and experiences growing up in the, an environment like that, that is your family, the one that birthed you, like there's this yearning because you have this, this perpetual, I don't know, rejection of self in a lot of ways. And you learn to find your place. You learn to find a, your tribe, your community and things of that nature. So that can really spur on this desire to, to start reaching out and learning and, and finding people who have same experiences and you, you ch or choosing other individuals who have similar likenesses and, and just relatable themes to who you are and, and what you've experienced in life. That's true, Jason. Intimacy and connection are not options. Mm -mm. They are necessities. And mm -hmm. as much of a rugged individual as a person may presume themselves to be, there is no one, help, no healthy person, there's a lot of unhealthy people who might go through life trying to avoid intimacy and avoid connection, but no healthy person goes through life trying to avoid that. You know, 
I th- we talked <laughs> in an earlier episode. We talked in an earlier episode, Jason, way back. Man, I can't believe we've been doing this so long. Way back, maybe in a few months ago. And one of the things, I think it was our episode on vulnerability, episode two. And one of the important things to keep in mind is that with with vulnerability, vulnerability is essential in order to get intimacy and connection. You cannot get intimacy and connection without first making yourself vulnerable. And if you are approaching life by saying, I don't want to make myself vulnerable because I don't want to be hurt. Mm -hmm. You are now engaged in what we spoke of as the autoimmune problem, Mm -hmm. right? Because as a refresher, back in episode two, Jason and I talked about the concept of autoimmunity, which is that in, in biology, when an organism is trying to protect itself, the very act of self-protection becomes an act of Mm self-harm. And it's like that with our emotions and in our relationships. If we are trying to avoid uh, relationship and intimacy and connection with people, then we are ultimately, and and if you're doing it because you're trying to protect yourself, your act of self-protection, living in an avoidance mentality is the very thing that ends up inflicting self-harm because we were made for intimacy. We were made for connection. We were made for community and there can't be community without communication. And so I think it's this pull, this natural pull to intimacy is what is what blurs all these lines, Jason. It blurs all the lines. If you can't, mm. if you can't get it from your relative, from your bl- blood relatives. You're gonna get it from your, from your, your people who you share experiences with. If you can't get it from people who you share experiences with, you may get it from people who you have decided are your family uh, outside of your blood relatives. And even in the most extreme cases, there are people who are total strangers. But surely, by recognizing the humanity in one another have developed intimacy and connection. So it is, it is really unavoidable. And this is why the hard work of, of relationship is, is always there in front of us because sure you can, you can avoid intimacy. You can avoid vulnerability. You can avoid connection, but you do so at the expense of your well being. You Mm. do so in an autoimmune way that, such that your act of self-protection is actually doing you harm and you will short circuit your human potential in ways that could be very harmful to the rest of the world because you're depriving the world of all that you have to give and all that you have to share. That's good. That's good. You're depriving the world. You're depriving yourself of that full potential, which in hand, which in terms is you at your fullest potential. You learn that you're you're not made in this world to be unto yourself. 
you learn at your highest state of being functioning that you're made to serve, help, love uh, other people. And thus, in fact, when you are functioning in an autoimmune type state, you are in a lot of ways doing harm to yourself or stunting your growth. And if you're not growing, you know, we can go on with that. If you're not growing, you're dying. Let's just be honest. That's that's well said, Jason. If you're not growing, you're dying. If if you are not and listen, that doesn't mean that you have to pour your heart out to the next stranger that you see on the street, right? Jason and I remember here at Motown Philly, we talk about the totality of the human person. The need for intimacy, the need for connection and and community and is is all and communication. It is all important, but it doesn't happen at the expense of your good sense, right? <laughs> it does, I mean, you don't just, you know, you go up to a stranger on the street and you just start pouring your heart out to people. It won't take you long to have somebody call the police on you. And next thing you know, you in a straitjacket in a padded cell, right? <laughs> you have to run your, there are times when you have to run your emotions through reason so that you don't scare people. And there's other times when you have to run your reason through your emotions so you can be empathetic and compassionate and you can, you can meet people where they are. I think what we're, what we're saying, Jason, is that it is up to us in some sense to recognize our need for intimacy and connection and to regulate that need accordingly in our relational lives as we move through the the messy barriers between family and friends and strangers right i think i think if there's one takeaway at all from our episode tonight that 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 would be it. What what are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, a lot of what we're talking about is emotional intelligence. Um, if you guys didn't know, we did an episode on that. We did four that episodes out. on. Oh that. yeah, sorry. Yeah, we did four episodes on that because it 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 needed that. It needed all of all of those four different uh, episodes in order that we can explain emotional intelligence. But as you as you grow and you mature and you understand what your, your, your nuclear family has given you, you just naturally grow um, and learn that you have an experiential family that you don't, that you fall into. And these individuals have shared experiences and likenesses and relatable things that you have in common. And that could be your 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 new type family, if you will, especially if you share a considerable amount of time with them. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a lot of time. You just have this knowledge of shared experience. And there is something that you sense and discern that, hey, this person is is kind of familiar to me because of you know, who they are, their experiences and the things that we find relatable. Uh, and then you have, you know, walking through the, the different levels. I just under, you just understand that 
Now you kind of get to choose. And that's a whole nother experience, which I, I believe is also really, really important when it comes to the lives that we live as adults and individuals uh, in, in, in forming uh, communities, if you will, through dialogue and communication that can really be special. And, you know, as you're talking, Jason, I'm reminded of how many of the principles from that four-part series we did on emotional intelligence actually apply here, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about self-awareness, mm-hmm. being being aware of yourself, right? Self-aware so that you don't fall into the trap of Oliver and our friend Oliver and his yeah. his hypothetical love interest, Nina, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just sit down and pour your heart out to a woman uh, in Oliver's case, right? Because what is Oliver doing? I, you know, Oliver is failing to understand the dynamics of true conversation, which begins with the idea that any conversation, any good conversation rightly understood is not one that either of the participants lead, but one that leads both of the participants of the conversation, right? The conversation takes you places. You don't now that is times. And we talked about this before, right? There's times when you need to install yourself as an authority in a dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. If you get arrested and charged with first degree murder, you don't want your lawyer to allow the witness to lead him or her around the courtroom because you're going to be sitting there with your life on the line saying, what in the world are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't we don't conduct our personal relationships the way we conduct cross examination. So mm-hmm. you have to understand that there are are differences, and that there are so many nuances to be uh, kept in mind in these circumstances that we're talking about with family and communication. That you you just have to be. I mean, to be a healthy human being, it takes a lot. Right. It takes a lot of self-reflection, right? a lot of Mm self-awareness, a lot of self-management, a lot of, frankly, self-esteem, because you have to be able to set boundaries. Right. Right. You have to be able to set boundaries and you have to remind yourself to respect the boundaries that others have set. So maybe this is why it's easier to just not do any of the work and just shut it down and say, you know what? I don't need intimacy and connection. I'm good as is. And then of course you end up doing yourself harm because now you're autoimmune and you you're communicatively autoimmune and, and you're going to end up doing yourself harm even as you try to protect yourself is maybe it's easier to do that. Than it is to say, my gosh, I got to pay attention to this thing and that thing. And, and again, Jason, I don't know about you. I don't have the answers to any of all the well. answers. Y'all. I mean, I, listen, I, when I when we even as we sit here and talk about this, I'm thinking to myself of all the work I have to do right, right? To, to, to even come remotely close to getting this thing right. Yeah. I, I'm probably light years away from where I should be. So Jason and I definitely don't have all the answers, but we do want to encourage everyone to ask the right questions. So I, I know, I know I'm in a mess. 
more times than not. <laughs> and I'm sure Jason will tell you the same thing. But mm-hmm. if we can if we can stumble through this thing together here at Motown Philly, I think we're better off stumbling through than we are not trying at all. Yeah, I love that concept. I mean, even as we bring out this topic on family and communication, which is important, it's important to kind of understand your origins, if you will, in a way, and to know how you kind of matriculate in your life throughout each level of what family is to you and to understand that you don't have to prefer one uh, over the other based on your own particular circumstances. And just the idea of making this the, an organic conversation. Yes, Tim and I off, often always bring structure to every topic that we choose to explore. But I think it's really important that to see as we choose to explore this topic, and though it has a structure, the organic nature of what we're talking about, we've probably talked about intimacy and connection more than we, or at least said the word, if you will, more than we've said family. Because when you think about family, there is there is something that is that should be inherently like assumed when you think about the word family. I talked about connectedness initially. Tim has brought up often intimacy. Those two words are are very much the same when it talks about level of closeness. And I love once you start understanding what family is and the level of connection communication, the level, the different nuances of different types of family, if you will, that there also becomes a a level of self-awareness that one has to walk into and also understand that it it often takes work to, to be at your best in these different realms, in these different levels, in these different stages or, or circle of, of sphere, sphere or circles that you might call family like you just can't be family any old type of way you want to like you just can't say i have family who are my who who i would call my nuclear family and be how you want to be like when you think about family you think about a level of network if you will at every level like you think of and and when you all these words are talking network when you think about network network you think about some level of connection you think of about some level of interpersonal um, communication or or language. You think about some lo- level of connection. So, like intimacy, connection, nuances uh, re- of relationship, whether blood or not, decision making, awareness. Like this all goes into family. It goes into your level of uh, intimacy and connection. But the thing is, you got to be aware. You have to be you have to often seek to be knowledgeable and educate yourself, self-aware as you interact, as you interact with people like we we can't avoid people. And when you know, you learn to know who you are, it just it can it makes the situations better. Um this topic is, is, like I said, it's a hard topic. I'm loving the conversation, but I don't know. Do you think we've made it clear as we talked to, as we introduced this, this topic, Tim, as we talked about what is, what is binding as far as the bloodline and, and the experience think, of it all? I think we have made it clear that it is unclear. <laughs> That's what I think we have done. 
Right. And there's another nuance that we haven't introduced, which is that there are different types of intimacy. Yeah, that's I another, have. That's I, I, I you <laughs> may God. have an intimacy with your mother and father. That's obviously not an intimacy that you have with your spouse. True. Or with your children. Mm-hmm. You may have an intimacy with your homies from around the way. That you don't have with some of your friends from church mm-hmm. or your coworkers or your coworkers or your classmates. If you're in school, that's not a knock on either group of people. It's just a recognition of the complexity mm-hmm. and the depth of the mm-hmm. need for human intimacy. It is, it is really that deep and it is really that complex that I can share a variety of, that I can have a, a, that I can have varying types of connectedness depending on the people with whom I am connected in my life. I have, I have an intimacy with my, my brothers that I don't have with you, Jason, and I have an intimacy with you that I don't have with my brothers. And that's okay because we are different. I mean, they have friends, they have intimacy with friends that they don't have with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm any less their brother. It doesn't mean that they're any less mine. The type of intimacy that I have with you as a family member by choice, I think that's the way I would consider you, is an intimacy that I don't necessarily have with other close friends with whom I share common experiences or maybe a a, a ton of history with another person. So I, I think it's important to remember that it's probably not a good idea to approach these categories of family with a sort of rigid normativity by saying, I have to be closest to my blood relatives and then follow all the way out to the stranger. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think that is realistic. (laughs) I don't think it's practical. And I don't think that it accurately reflects who we are as human beings and how deeply we need each other. So to circle back the Mm -hmm. answer to the question, why is it that I may be, that I may have a different kind of, or different intensity of intimacy with people to whom I am not related by blood. The answer to that question is because my need for intimacy and connection as a human being is far too complex to be captured in some sort of abstract sliding scale. It it just doesn't work that way. And I think if we're going to, if we're going to leave this episode with some understanding of family and communication, I think it has to be understood that the term family is relative to at least these four different types, probably more. And that intimacy and connection are also relative to the needs of each individual, 
to the variety of dysfunctions that beset each individual mm-hmm. and and all of that. So I I think that we don't see neat categories because there's nothing neat about human experience. It's not. It's not. I've I've said to you often in our private conversations and I've talked to other people about this, like when it comes to when and I had this in a relationship context, partner context, even a marriage context, like life gets life is can be really challenging, especially when you think about can be. It depends on how you think about it. But I've thought about an individual person, human being is a very, very complex uh, person, is a very complex being. Like we are as an individual, like with all my life experience, all our life experience, like there is no other organism that can be more complex than an individual. And then you couple that individual with another individual with all of their very nuanced and multifaceted complexities. And then you try to put those two in the same room, yay, even in the same partnership or relationship. Bruh, you got you there are there are then spawns a multi then can spawn a multiplicity of other complex things and that you have to deal with. Here's what I'm hearing about the conversation that we're having now. I'm hearing that family is relative but in under the umbrella of family you have individuals that innately seek belonging and intimacy which is another word for me what i'm hearing us say closeness like connection closeness intimacy those are like cousins those are that's a family you know what i'm saying so inside oh, it's, it's, of it's, it's a family of concepts exactly exactly yeah. beautiful and it's like so in so as an individual innately has this natural desire for intimacy for closeness and connection whether we're finding it in our immediate family or finding it in an experiential family or finding it in someone we're choosing and then having the, the altruistic knowledge to understand that there are people who I don't know, not necessarily even seeking, but see them in their humanity. And I think this is a very high level of conscious thought because we can be savages sometimes as people and dismissive. But to truly understand that that dude, that woman, that person who I do not know, who's in pain, who's in suffering, who is on the street, who is in need, or who has a lot of power, they too have gone through some shit. First, 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 first four letter bomb. They have, they too have gone through some shit. And the thing is, they have to learn, we have to learn as individuals to understand that they are, they are me. They are me. And if it were not for a certain amount of circumstances, it would be me. A certain amount of circumstances, it would be, they would be me. Thus the connection, thus the level of seeing intimately, intimately and seeing that 
we are all in the same boat here and we and there is a there is a a an innate sense of saying these the people who the person who i am and the people around me i just want to connect because i want to know if someone's feeling what i'm feeling seeing what i'm seeing can go through life shoulder to shoulder maybe in a way that in a way that can be um rich that can be desirable that can be shared that can be supportive that can be healthy like that's at the end of the day that's what we all seek and honestly like you said earlier there takes a level of work to be aware of that and then to start working through no matter where you find yourself in family no matter where you find yourself in family you there needs to be a level of work to truly be your best self in all four of those circumstances of family i i agree jason listen you have to in order to go through life healthy these are the kinds of things you have to be attentive to and there's nothing neat and mm. sequential about being a human being linear I'm linear mm. yeah linear sequential it's just it's yeah. just not that neat so let me let me say this <clears throat> excuse me i usually i'm sorry i usually begin by talking about some philosophy but i, I want to sort of as we approach the end of this episode i want to i want to talk about something in philosophy that is I think a good way to put a maybe you know conclude our our conversation. So Jason, you asked me a question a few moments ago, and you said, "Have we made it clear about the question that you asked at the very beginning?" Because I'm not so sure we've made it clear. And then I said, "We've made it clear that it's unclear, right?" Mm -hmm. And then what I said was that the question of why we have different levels of intimacy with people who are not our biological relatives is that human needs for connection, closeness, intimacy, there's that family of concepts again, are so deep and so complex that no one relationship, not even a blood relationship, can satisfy those needs or meet them. And I, I I come across this problem with my students in philosophy. You know, Jason, when I teach Socrates, <clears throat> my students don't like Socrates. And they don't like Socrates because when you study him, one of the things that he does is he will interrogate people to show that they didn't know as much as they think they did. But mm -hmm. he won't necessarily provide any answers of his own. And that infuriates people. Right. And what I try to tell my students is that the essence of Socratic wisdom is that you are wise when you know that you don't know. Mm. And your wisdom is not found in laying down some definitive, neat principle 
for once and for all that brings a closure to the subject under discussion. That's the height of philosophical arrogance. Right. Socrates never brings his own concept to the table and says, this is what it is. This is what it's supposed to be. Uh And so I want to talk about the difference between the saying S A Y I N G and the said S A I D. The said, according to the Jewish philosopher Emmanuel Levinas, is some sort of objective rule that is in place to regulate human behavior. So we might say that the laws against murder represent the said. But the saying is an incessant sort of conversation that's always going on that is never resolved. And the messy work of being a moral person takes place not in the context of the said, but in the context of the saying. We have to work out our humanity, as you put it a few moments ago, in this muck and mire of dialogue exchanges that are crossing these boundaries and borders between people that are inherently dysfunctional and family lines that are not linear or sequential and concepts that lose their rigor as soon as soon as they have to be applied. And so don't walk away from this episode thinking that we didn't do our job because we didn't produce a neat set of principles and say, if you apply these, then this is the way things are supposed to go because that's the said Mm -hmm. Jason and I can't give you the said, we can only elaborate upon the complexity of the saying. If you, if you want to draw another way to think about the saying and the said, the said is an adult that may be, makes rules and the saying is an infant child that can't speak but that demands attention mm. because it demands the the infant demands care and the care that the saying tells us or calls to our attention is a care for one another to love one another to accept one another to do the hard work of being compassionate toward one another mm-hmm. to be the do the hard work of being compassionate with ourselves right and again this itself is no answer to any question that we've raised i think it's just an indication of just how complex we are as human beings and how difficult it is to come up with neat logical principles that are going to apply across the board at all times. And what Jason and I are talking about for that very reason, we're already going against the grain of contemporary culture because we want answers in this day and age. Mm -hmm. We demand answers. We demand, well, I need something that I can apply. I can't apply. Y'all just talking about jibber jabber. Y'all ain't talking about nothing. Well, actually we are talking about something. We're talking about doing the work of self-reflection 
and and understanding the complexities of who we are and how those complexities play themselves out and the 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 moral obligation to be attentive to that is something that really never goes away we are always caught in a saying not so much in a said so i i enjoy talking to you about philosophy and i'm glad that that we have these conversations on this podcast because um some people call i've heard uh, this podcast kind of high level as far as some of the things that we talk about and maybe our approach in it i think it's unique to us with you having your law and philosophy degree and of course me um, studying communication or communication disorders and socrates is me listening to you describe socrates often not just now but just period Socrates, in his approach, in his theoretic approach, he is, he seems like a very humble person in his approach to, to posture and have the disposition like, yo, I know information, but don't come to me for the answers. Uh, that's up to you. I can give you information because this is what I studied, I learned, I've observed in, in, in our world and in human interaction and relationships, but a need for you to think, a need for you to have reflection, a need to, for you to become more, more self-aware. If I give you the answer, what work have you done? What work will you continue to do? Because the, like you said, in the saying, it's, there is, there's action. I love that. In the saying, like you said, like if you look at them as uh, one being a child and one saying being a child and said being the adult with strict rules and like there's the kid is in action. The kid needs care. The kid is doing there. You you have to if you're about raising this child, you have to be active. You you, and you're a parent, you have to be an active participant. And that, that does require work. That does require you getting down on your knees. That does require interaction, care, empathy, foresight, planning. Like, you, how are you going through this world <laughs> when it comes to the topic and what we're speaking about? Family and communication and things of that nature. So... Um, I love this topic. I love the, it, it's a challenging topic. I often talk about communication as to what I do as a communication skills coach, like communication is a, is a panacea. It's, 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 it's just, it's huge. It's huge. And it's an ocean. I call it more. It's an ocean. How where do I start with communication? Well, it's, a, it's a, you can't bite it off in one chunk and family and how we relate to it and how we communicate our way through it is it's a big, beautiful topic, honestly. You just can't. You can't. Another way to think of the difference between the said and the saying is to think of the difference between finitude and infinity. The said is finite. It is declared. It is done. It is, it is etched in stone, as we say. That's mm -hmm. what the said is. But the saying is infinite. If the said is propositions, the saying is poetry. It's the poetry of the cacophony of human voices trying to figure out who we are, where we are, 
With whom can we connect? That is an infinite journey. That's the journey of the saved. Beautiful. Like the said, because the said cuts things off. The said, the said absolves me of responsibility Beautiful. in some sense to do the work because I have this abstract rule that I can apply. But the saying makes a moral demand on me. The saying makes a poetic demand, a creative demand. How do I negotiate the different fam family types and the different types of intimacy that I need or that others need from me. Say that. That's work. And that's yeah. the work that too many folk don't want to do. And so I just wanted to conclude with that because don't, don't walk around craving the said, if you crave this, we all, in a, we, in a sense, we all want solutions. Mm -hmm. We all want hard and fast solutions. We all want, the said to wrap it up for us and be finite. But mm. think of it this way. If you're a religious person, if you're a Christian specifically, if you're made in the image of God and God is infinite, there are arguably as long as you are alive, as long as there's breath in your body, there is an element of you that is infinite. There's an element of you that reflects the nature of the God who you believe made you. Again, this is if you're Christian. And you end up being as infinite as that guy. And anything that truncates that, that cuts that off, is, is something that can't be good for you. So we're all saying and never said. Jason, we have said a lot. And we are still saying and will continue to say when this is over. Where can they find you, man? You guys can look me up on IG. It's where I hang out most of the time. The speaker's mechanic. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Jason Hall. Facebook, Jason Hall. TikTok, speaker's mechanic. Look me up. And uh, Tim, where can we find you? Find me on Instagram at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ. Find me on Facebook in the city so nice they had to say it twice. Walla Walla. Again, I say this every week. Three things are certain in life, death taxes, and I'm the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. You're going to find me there on Facebook. I hope everybody has a blessed holiday season. I think our next upload will happen after Christmas. So we just want to take a moment now to say Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, guys. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, all of the different holidays, all of the different celebrations that are coming up. And as you interact with your family, whether they be family by blood, by experience, by choice, or the stranger that you see on the street by human nature, love them the way that you want to be loved and be good to them even as you want others to be good to you. That's right. You guys have a great, great weekend. Great week. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys. We love you. Love y'all.